available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. One half of the Podcast of Champions. The other half, David Woods, he's on that UCLA site. Bro, you might have heard of it, from the 24-7 Sports Network. He's out today, so I'm doing a solo show. Uh, All I got was from his publicist, it's a protocol. So not sure where he is. And unfortunately, maybe fortunately for him, uh, we got a lot of news to talk about here on the Podcast of Champions today. There's also the week we're going to make our overall picks. David did send me his picks through his publicist, so I will publish and talk about what his picks were and what mine were. We picked every game for the entire season. I was pretty feast or famine, so we'll go over all of that and all of the news of going on around the Pac-12. David hates that stuff, so I'll be able to dive into it. And we got a ton of questions, too. Man, I think we got like 18 questions to get to. So this is going to be a show that just taxes my voice here on the Podcast of Champions. This is a Thursday night. This is with a dedication, folks. 8 p.m., I'm in my office on a Thursday night. Yeah, could be out Hermosa Beach having an adult beverage. No, I'm here recording a Podcast of Champions by myself uh, just for you guys. And I got some some good news uh, as far as the jockey sponsorship goes. That's going to keep going on. Um, so we'll get to that in a second, but I want to let everyone know if you want to email us, you can do that. Any kind of, uh, questions for the show, pack podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Tweet us at pack 12 podcast. The website is pack 12 podcast.com. If you want to find the old episodes, you can go over on Reddit. I checked it out the other day. Got to get some activity going, more activity going over there. Reddit.com slash R slash podcast of champions. And most importantly, our Apple Podcasting app, if you have that on your iPhone or your iPad, please follow the Podcast of Champions. Rate us with a five-star rating. Any kind of review, you could trash us, whatever you want to say, as long as you leave us the five stars. It's perfect. And you're going to continue to get an opportunity to win, we're bribing you for this, 100 bucks from Jockey. We'll send you a physical Jockey gift card in the mail for the best review every week. We went through six uh, Jockey cards already. A hundred bucks. So that was awesome that Jockey uh, did that for us. And they're sending more out now. So we're going to keep this going. I think we only have two reviews this week, but uh, I want to read them to you. We have uh, Bearded Bass Sasson, and I believe we didn't read this one last time. He says, okay, I guess Brian and Damon are okay to listen to if you have nothing, I mean absolutely nothing else to do, or you just need some background noise. P.S., Think buffs are going to be sneaky good this year. Sco buffs. That's from Junior. Junior, you're not going to like my uh, prediction for the buffs this year. So, uh, But I'm usually wrong when I predict doom and gloom for the buffs. And we also got one from Jay Moffat, five stars. Uh, five stars with an asterisk. And the asterisk says, please note, while I do listen to this podcast each week, 
This five-star review is in no way an indication of how I feel about it. I am solely and completely rating this podcast five stars because the hosts are bribing me to do so with $100 worth of jockey gear. Jay Moffat, I love I love that you're just going to come clean. And uh, we're going to give you the jockey gift card this week. So thanks uh, for your review, the five-star review. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to email us, podcast of champions, or pac podcast at gmail.com. Uh, with your address, your physical address, I will send you a jockey gift card. So I've been sending those out every week. Uh, as you imagine, David's not doing anything like that, but I do that. Um, all right, why don't we get to some of the new stuff? I'll play this. We've got a lot of breaking news around the conference. I'll try to go through this quickly. Um, we've got this whole Nick Rolovich stuff going on, but we got a couple questions on that. So I think I was going to save that for the questions um, as far as him following the mandate. So we have some starting quarterback information, and I apologize if I missed some stuff. I try to go through everything and put these notes in here. But Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor, he's going to be the starter for uh, Utah. So the Utes have their quarterback. Uh, you also had Cam Rising there, but Charlie Brewer, and uh, a lot of people really high on him. So I, you know, with the transfers that Utah's brought in, a lot of guys coming back. Um, you know, if that offensive line holds up. Yeah, this Utah are gonna be really good. I have I'm predicting. I was totally feast or famine in my predictions. So I got teams doing crushing it or getting crushed. Utah's one of those teams I have crushing it. We'll get to that in a little bit. Jed Fish in Arizona, he has an opener against BYU September 4th uh, in Las Vegas, and he's going to use both quarterbacks, uh, Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer. So both times are both quarterbacks will see time in the opener. We'll see how that uh, turns out. For Jed Fish, I mean, that's going to be a tough game to win. But BYU does lose a lot, and they play pretty much the entire Pac-12. So it'll be a good uh, view of what this Jed Fish program is like. People I've talked to in Arizona, I mean, they're really high on this guy. Uh, they brought in a bunch of new dudes. Uh, it's going to be a different-looking team for sure. Can you make it all work? I think they're buying in for sure. Uh, How is it going to work? I don't know. I think it's going to take a year because I don't, I don't have uh, good predictions for Arizona either. Um, so as far as expansion goes uh there there's no gonna there's not gonna be any expansion um i know uh, george klavkov told john wilner they were gonna decide the next couple weeks um and merton hanks is looking at the divisions uh you know eight versus nine tweaking the conference schedules things like that so that's all being looked at but after the announcement of the um the alliance all capital letters i guess that's what people are calling it uh, the the Pac-12 actually came out on Thursday and said there will be no expansion for the Pac-12. So that means the Big 12 is sort of like boohoo in the corner because, yeah, their teams aren't going to get picked up. My guess is with the Big 12 just trying to become relevant, probably going to hang on to Texas and Oklahoma as long as they can and maybe start adding other teams, just trying to get to a critical mass and get to you know a bigger footprint, more you know more programs in there. Uh, we'll see, but there, you know, there's also news that the um, Gordon Gee, the president of West Virginia, was saying that the 12 team playoff is on life support. Um, you know, he's not going to vote for it. He's one of the voting members. He said it pretty much has to be unanimous. He didn't think the Pac-12 would vote for it, but I think the Pac-12 needs it uh, and would vote for it. Um, I think they just want to. My thoughts on this: they're going to expand, but they want to kind of wait for the contract to run out. Because right now ESPN has all the rights. And if you wait for a few years and you get the uh, bidding war going, you could have something like the NFL has where multiple media outlets are 
broadcasting the playoffs. So, you know, you could have ESPN do one game and Fox do another in the, in the semifinals or whatever. And then Fox one year has a championship game and ESPN has it the next year. So NFL like in that sense, I think that would make a ton of money. So I feel like this Alliance, you know, it's a weird, it's weird, right? It's just like this handshake agreement and all that stuff. But I feel like it's more of a, probably delaying some of the, we, we started to change things quickly, right? With the NIL, that Alston case, everything's going on. I feel like this is a way that, um, all right, maybe Texas and Oklahoma don't come over to the SEC right away. All right, maybe we don't go to a 12-team playoff right away. We sort of let some things simmer out there and see where you are. And we're not going to like move it, you know, at, college football moves at a glacial pace anyway, right? And things started moving quickly. I think this alliance, if anything, it's a way to like, all right, everyone slow down for a minute. We're going to get there, but we're going to do it the right way. And now you have this kind of voting block, sort of like Big Brother or Survivor or something. There's a, an alliance formed between the ACC, the Big, Big Ten, and the Pac-12. The problem is with those alliances, it's all like, you know, you're just talking in the, in the, the room by yourself. And if something happens where the Pac-12 can do something that would break the alliance, but it would really help the Pac-12 or the Big Ten can do something that would break the alliance and or the ACC, I, you'd feel like these pro, these uh, conferences would do that. Like They're still looking out for themselves. It also gives us one step closer to potentially having a college football czar, the Roger Goodell of college football. If you have three conferences aligned, and maybe down the road they join with the SEC and then they decide, hey, we're going to have a governing body. We're going to have an overse- you know, someone overseeing all of college football, which would be best for the sport, but it's not necessarily always best for the conferences. But getting the conferences to link together in some meaningful way, maybe that gets us there. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's quick thoughts on the alliance. I mean, there's nothing signed. Uh, it's just, a you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. There wasn't a lot of teeth to the announcement. Uh, but I was on the the conference call and or the Zoom call and everything, and I think George Klyovkov handles himself really well. I think uh, Andy Staples said it best about him: is like you know, you ask him a question and he answers it. And you know, Larry Scott would just talk; he wouldn't answer questions. And a lot of the guys act like politicians. I don't think Klyovkov acts like that. And if he's saying if he's going to say something like, "Yeah, that doesn't really make sense for me to answer right now," or you know, I, I can't really say that, or like he'll say that, he'll just tell you. But he's not like out there to. You ask the question, and I'm here to say something that sounds like I'm answering, but I'm really not. Like, you don't get that from him, which I uh, like a lot. All right. Uh, let's see. We also have there's a, a L.A. mask mandate for outdoor events, over 10,000 uh, people. So these mega gatherings, they call them. Of course, that would include the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum, meaning that if you're going to go to the Rose Bowl or Coliseum and say you're you know, you're a Stanford fan and you're coming down to Southern California uh, to go to the Coliseum, you got to wear a mask uh, while you're um, at, pretty much doing anything except eating or drinking while you're in the Coliseum. So that's a little bit different, I think, than what the rest of the conference is. And I, I Maybe there's some other mandates out there that I've missed, but that's uh, L.A. County sort of was like they brought back their mask mandate for indoors uh, before a lot of people, and now they have this outdoor one for big events. So if you're a fan, uh, you know, traveling to Los Angeles for a game or you're in Los Angeles, you're going to have to wear a mask at these stadiums. USC also uh, announced this week that their on-campus tailgating for the first game against San Jose State was not going to happen. They're going to close it off. I've been going to campus uh, most every day or, you know, at least a few days a week. 
And once students came back to campus this past week, it changed things. Um, you had to do this like Trojan check where you go online and answer these questions and, you know, show that you're not whatever, testify basically that you're not at risk for COVID. And so they're checking that a lot more now when you get to campus and the, the fear volume of people on campus uh, has increased this past week. So they said they're going to delay uh, the decision on tailgating on campus, which you could do at USC. People would just drink and put their tents out or whatever all over campus. Um, that's going to be at least delayed until the second game against Stanford. So uh, they haven't announced the, the future games, but for the first opener, they're not going to allow people to tailgate on campus, but you can tailgate over at the Coliseum. So I'm curious to see you know, throughout the Pac-12 what kind of mandates and stuff are going on, um, if things change, if there's more outbreaks, if there, you see more stuff. Uh, but just so you know, if you're going to come to the Rose Bowl or Coliseum, at least for now, you got to wear a mask while you're there. It was a weird one. Um, so for Michael Turk, uh, the Arizona State um, punter, he transferred out, uh, I think maybe a week or two ago, uh, to Oklahoma. So their punter, uh, he's a really good punter. He's he's left the program. Herb Edwards said it was per COVID policy. Um, Arizona State football players aren't allowed to travel if they're not vaccinated. Um, so, you know, there could have been some kind of issue there. But that was like a late transfer portal little news item. So uh, ASU has to find a new punter. I haven't followed up on see who's won that battle or anything. Um, and let's see. Okay. We also have uh, the suicide pool is going to be back. So uh, thanks. We had, let me see, it was Matthew is going to, he sent it out and we're going to take a look. Um, we'll take a look at it and see, uh, you know, make sure the format looks okay, but we'll post it up on uh, pac12podcast.com. We'll post it up on our website and each week. So you have to put in, you're going to put in your name and your email, just like before, it's going to be a Google form. And, you know, you pick all you, you pick the team you think is going to win. And if you advance, if your team wins, you advance. But you have to come back every week and put your picks in. Um, and you, you can't start again. So use your same name, your same email, and we'll have uh, jockey prizes for uh, the first couple of the, the people that last the longest. So we'll see how many people are left. But um, we'll be able to get some cool stuff from jockey and put that out there. So thanks, Matt, for putting that together. Again, and uh, you know, we're going to do our suicide pool. Okay, uh, as far as games go, and David gave me his pick. So this week we have uh, the Hawaii Warriors. Were they rainbows? I forget what they are. I think they're the Warriors. Uh, they're coming to the, the Rose Bowl, week zero, taking on UCLA Bruins. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to do a whole preview and stuff of the game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Well, we'll, we'll kind of review things, what happened when David uh, Dave comes back. Uh, the line on this game is 17 points, and uh, both Dave and I will take UCLA and lay the 17. This would be UCLA's first out-of-conference win. So our first pick of the year, we're going to say the same thing. I almost just went against them just for uh, just for shits and giggles, but I'm going to I'm going to agree with Dave here. I think UCLA is going to get it done. Uh, I like them to, to bounce back and have a bowl season. We'll talk about all of that stuff. Uh, well, actually, right now. Okay, so that's all the kind of newsy items. We were going to do uh, our picks for the year. I'm not going to bore you with game by game of who's going to win what, but I have 
I'll go through what Dave thinks and what I think for all of the schools in the Pac-12. And uh, I think we'll start, we'll just go alphabetical order. How's that? He has this in a spreadsheet, so I will, actually, I don't think it's alphabetical order, but he has it organized um, south-north, so I'm going to just do it that way. And uh, I think it's alphabetical order by uh, per the division. So I will go over that and uh, kind of show you where we are, where all our picks Mine, like I said, a um, little weird. I was very feast or famine. It's never, it's not going to happen that way. There's going to be a lot more like eight and four teams and 11 and one teams, but I'm just going to kind of went out on a limb there this time and we'll see uh, how close I get. Okay. So let's start with Arizona. Uh, neither Dave or I are very high on Arizona, but Dave's a little higher than me. He's got uh, Arizona going one and two in the non-conference and three and six in conference, four and eight overall. I'm a little more harsh. I got a one and two in non-con. Oh, and nine at conference. One and 11 overall. Yes. Sorry. I love, I think Jed Fish is going to do good things, but uh, yeah, I'm not, you know, he's predicted in like to beat Washington and stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm just looking at these. They're going to be pretty big underdogs, at least to start the season in most of these games. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to go one 11, but I'm just, just putting it out there. I went through, just went through all the games and tried to pick them. And it just ended up being a lot of like feast or famine for Arizona state. Uh, he has the sun devils two and one non-con seven and two in conference nine and three overall, and actually winning the PAC 12 South. I have Arizona state undefeated non in the non-conference three and oh six and three in conference and nine and three overall. So we have the same record, uh, but I think Arizona state's going to finish third. Um, there's still too many distractions there for me. Is the other shoe going to drop? Um, I think a really talented team, uh, losing Lele, like, you know, one of their best defensive players, is going to be tough. They lose their punter. But um, I just think there's distractions. I think they're going to win games. I actually have them beating USC uh, at home. But, man, I, I, I have a hard time seeing them, like, being able to get through the whole season and, and win the conference. We got, uh, or win the division, Colorado. Um, Dave has the buffs two and one in the non-con two and seven, uh, in conference four and eight overall. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm even more harsh than that. I got one and two in the non-con. I think Minnesota is going to be a pretty good team. That's a tough one for Colorado and, uh, one and eight overall in conference. So two and 10 for the buffs. Now remember buff fans, you, you just yell at me, which is fine. Cause I thought they'd be bad last year and they go four and two. Uh, that was weird. I think you're going to see like, you know, I think there's going to come back to reality a little bit uh, this year. But who knows? Been wrong before. Could be wrong again. Maybe Nate Landman just goes absolutely bonkers and, uh, you know, leads that defense to a bunch more wins than I think they're going to get. Uh, Utah, uh, we both have the Utes as 3-0 and in the non-con, so they'll beat BYU. Um, Dave has a 5-4 a and four in conference, 8-4 and four overall. I got the Utes eight and one in conference, eleven and one overall. I just think that the pieces they've added, it sucks losing, obviously, the tragedy with Ty Jordan, but you bring in some transfer running backs, you bring in Charlie Brewer, bring a lot of dudes. And um, you know, Britton Covey's this newcomer. Like that's the I love that joke. Uh yeah, I I don't know. I think Utes put it together this year. So um I think it'll go eleven and one. The problem is I have losing the USC in the Coliseum and finishing second in the conference. Uh, Dave has the Utes finishing third. For USC, 
Dave has two and one in the non-con, seven and two in conference, nine and three overall. I have two and one in the non-con, eight and one in conference, and ten and two overall, and winning the South despite having one more loss than Utah because they have this tiebreaker against Utah. For the Bruins, we both have them going two and one in the non-con, uh, and we both have them going four and five in conference play. So both have them six and six. Um, and finishing fourth in the conference. We both agree there. For the North, uh, so yeah, I have USC as a division winner in the South, and Dave has ASU. Stanford, uh, Dave has one and two in the non-con, three and six in conference. Remember, Stanford has all power five games for all 12 teams, four and eight overall. I have them at one and two in the non-con, one and eight in conference, two and 10 overall. I'm going all in on the bad year for Stanford. Um, we'll see. I mean, David Shaw is loves doing that when you think they're going to be down, sort of prove you wrong. Uh, they, they did really good things last year, not even be able to practice at home. We got lambasted by some of our Stanford listeners, all 12 of them. Uh, th- that's the entire t- Stanford fan base, by the way, um, last year, cause they, they did win some games. Some of that I think was smoke and mirrors though. Um, so I, I feel like they're becoming kind of crashing down to earth a little bit. I'm not seeing the difference makers there with Stanford. And like I said, I've been wrong before, probably wrong again, but that's what I predicted. Cal two and one non-con for Dave three and six in conference five and seven overall. Um, yeah, he's not big on, on the bears. So he does have him finishing third. Uh, I have the bears at two and one in the non-con and five and four. In conference play, seven and five overall. And I also have him finishing third, but he has them uh, doing a little worse than I do. The Ducks, we both have winning the North. Um, Dave says two and one non con, eight and one conference for 10 and two. I did the exact same thing 10 and two, two and one, eight and one. We both think they're going to lose to Ohio State. So we have them both winning the North. Uh, Oregon State. Um, Dave has two and one in the non-con three and six overall for five and seven record. I think they're going to sweep the non-con. I am three and oh, three and six in conference. So six and six overall and bull eligible. So Jonathan Smith, congratulations. Uh, well, we'll see if I'm right about that. Um, so, and I, yeah, I have the, the Beavers fourth and, uh, Dave has Stanford fourth and, and the Beavers fifth Washington. Dave has two and one non-con, seven and two in conference play, nine and three overall. I also think Washington's going to get a win at Michigan. I think Michigan might not be, you know, I think Ohio State's like legit, legit. Like I think Oregon's a better team than Washington, but I think Ohio State's a way better opponent than Michigan. I think they're going to go to Ann Arbor and win. So I got them at three and zero and eight and one, eleven and one overall, which just seems really weird to me for Washington. But that's where I got them. I think they're going to do really well, similar to the South. Uh, I got them a level one record, but losing uh, in the tiebreaker because I got Oregon beating them and I have Oregon finishing first, Washington second. Dave has the same thing. And finally, Washington State. Um, Dave says 3-0 and in the non-con, 2-7 and in conference, 5-7 and overall. Overall, I think they're going to lose uh, one of the non-conference games. I got them 2-1 and um, and then 2-7 and um, in, the, uh, in, in conference play. And then for a four and eight overall record. So I have them finishing uh, fifth in the North and Stanford finishing last. Uh, Dave has Washington State finishing uh, sixth. Um, so yeah, they have 
was it Utah State? They played BYU, so I had them uh, losing to BYU uh, in week eight. So that's where we differ there. But and then for the overall champion, both of us, both Dave, ha- Dave and I have Oregon beating the South champion. Uh, Dave says Oregon beats ASU. I say Oregon beats USC, eleven and two for the Ducks, and probably outside of the playoff, but eleven and two and conference champion. So. That's where we are with our season-long picks. So, whew, there was a lot there. Um, All right, we got a lot of questions on the other side. So I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, answer. I'll do my best to answer all of your questions. Back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Got through that pretty quickly. A lot of news, a lot of picks. Um, so hopefully that wasn't too boring for you. I'll do my best on all these questions. There's a lot of them here. Uh, let's see how long my uh, voice holds out. We got Mark in Vancouver, Karotovich on the clock. Hello there, champions. The governor of the state of Washington has announced a new vaccine mandate policy, which specifically includes coaches of schools, Teams like Jimmy Lake and Nick Rolovich. It seems Rolo now has an ultimatum on his hands. Get the vaccine or get fired. Which do you think he'll do? Will conspiracy brain continue its hold or will coach brain triumph? Thanks again, Mark in Vancouver. And then we also had um, Dave Young on the Washington State coaching search. He says, will they have one or is Chris Peterson already hired? Maybe Tim Tebow is ready to get into coaching. Over under, over under on when Rolovich is dropped. Um, okay. So let's talk about the whole Nick Rolovich situation. Cause it's, it's pretty weird. So that mandate, what, you know, the, the state of Washington added that mandate and what they did was included education. So now it's including the schools. They also took away the personal exemption. Um, so there's no personal reasons. It has to be like a medical reason for you not to get, uh, if you're a, an employee of the state there, if you, you need a medical reason to not get there. You can't have a personal exemption anymore. Um, it could be religious, I believe, too, um, to not get the vaccine. And October 18th is the deadline. So Rolovich was asked about this, and he's just, like, digging his heels in. And if you saw the video, it's really interesting. He's, like, his quote was, I'm going to follow the mandate. Like, that's all he would say. Like, oh, you're going to get the shot? I'm going to follow the mandate. And I think he was originally asked that. He said, I'm going to follow the mandate. And people assumed, okay, he's going to get the shot. Then they followed up with him later. 
I think it might've been the next day. Are you going to get the shot? Like, just to be specific, I'm going to follow the mandate. And like, and they ask it another way. He's like, I'm going to follow the mandate. I talked to a Washington state insider the other day and it just seems like a mess. Um, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment. Like this is the highest paid, you know, state employee, you know, making over 3 million a year. And I don't think it's just him. I think there's other coaches on the staff too. Like if you see the pictures, there's other coaches that are walking around with masks outside, which would seem to indicate that they haven't been vaccinated either. Um, and now you got this mandate. Is he just going to coach until then? Uh, I, I think the Nick Rolovich experiment, which I was all in on. I love the quirkiness. I think you need someone like that. And he's a different kind of quirky than Mike Leach, but, and Mike Leach would say some cringeworthy things, right? He would do, but this is like beyond like you're now embarrassing, like the president of your university, your athletic director, like there's people, all the academia side people that don't really like sports are going to freaking hate sports now because of this. Like this guy's the face of the university, even though they don't think he should be. And this is the, the, you know, this is what he's teaching out there. This is the, the example he's setting. So there's two weird things going on in the PAC 12 with Arizona state, you know, waiting on all this, you know, the, the investigation to, to, to finish. And you got three suspended coaches and all that. And I don't know how this is going to end uh, in the Palouse. Like, I'm just not sure. Washington State was a team, like, both Arizona State and Washington State were teams I would have been high on. And I'm still pretty high on Arizona State. But you wanted to just be like, yeah, I think they're going to break through this year. And I think Washington State's going to be pretty darn good. And it's hard. And I think even we get Washington State fans writing in that are like, it's like they're, they're, don't like their coach and they're, they're pissed off at their coach. And it, he he could have been a really fun guy to root for, make the team fun to root for. Like, oh, I just want to see Washington State be fun and good. And it's sort of taken that all away. And he's, I, I don't think he's handling this well. Um, you know, maybe there's some sort of medical reason. When him saying, I'm going to follow the mandate, to me, that just sounds like there's other ways around this. Like, I think, you know, for the question we got, Coach Brain no, conspiracy brain is still winning. Like he's not answering it in a way that coach brain, even if he was going to get it and not say anything, or even if he was going to get the shot on October 18th, like the deadline day or whatever it is. Well, I don't think you could actually do that because you want to be fully vaccinated. You need all that time, you know, prior. You're doing it in such a way that you're, you're probably hurting recruiting. You're hurting the, the brand. Um, it's going to be a distraction on the team. Uh, if there are players that are like, you know, if there's a, you know, you're in Alabama and you're like, your parents are telling you, don't get the vaccine. It's terrible. It's terrible. And Nick Saban's like, everyone's getting the vaccine. We're doing it. You can get it, you know? And it's like, okay, so, well, coach said, I'm going to do it. And you just do it and kind of move on. It's a lot harder when your head coach isn't behind it too. So if you're like, you're a player and your parents are like, no, dude, we don't want you to get the vaccine. Like head coach doesn't, he's not getting it. I'm not getting it. Um, it's just the example you're setting. So this is just going to be, get your popcorn ready and watch, because I just feel like, man, there's going to be some weird stuff going on there. So I, I really wanted to root for Washington state this year and I just can't, um, uh, the way this is going. So, but it, it sounds like the guy I talked to Washington state, it just sounds like it's a mess. Um, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens up there. All right. We got Peter in Vancouver, Washington, uh, for Oregon. He says, 
Since you didn't want to read through my data in my email last week, I will keep it shorter this time. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, he gave us like 50 reasons why Oregon was going to be terrible. Uh, after finishing the 2020 season, losing three of their last four games, plus losing the starting quarterback, I'm struggling to understand why Oregon is ranked so high to start the 2021 season. What has changed with their team to indicate that they'll be able to overcome a difficult road schedule this season? Hey, Peter, they do have a difficult road schedule, you know? So at Ohio State, I think they're going to lose that game. Uh, but, you know, Fresno State, Stony Brook at home, they should be fine there. Um, you know, they play on the road at Stanford. I don't think Stanford's going to be very good. They play on the road at UCLA. I think they're just going to be better than UCLA. Uh, they play on the road at Washington. Um, that's a big one, obviously, and that you know could be for the uh, you know for the North Division. And they play on the road at Utah. So certainly, it's a tough slate uh, of road games. Um, I mean, they were bad uh, turnovers last year. Um, you know, there's like. I think there's some things that, you know, pandemic wise, I'm not going to like put a whole bunch of stock into what happened last year in, in most instances. And I think they might've upgraded the quarterback. I mean, I really, uh, when you're talking about, um, you know, Hey, who's going to be good. Anthony Brown, the, the transfer from uh, Boston college, I've just heard some things from people that are like, even when he was at BC, like they saw a lot of upside in him and, can Joe Moorhead get the most out of him? I kind of think they will. He he looked good, you know. Um, they you got to remember they did win. They won the conference last year, so that's part of the reason why. And they're still recruiting like they you know they they got better Jimmys and Joes, you know. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why Peter. But I think Washington's gonna be really good this year. But I'm still picking Oregon to win. And then uh, Pac-12 non-conference games from Peter in Washington. He says, apologies for the inaccuracies in my email from last week. I'll try again. Pac-12 teams are scheduled to play 11 non-conference games against Power 5 opponents this season. And he lists them all there. Uh, based on the earlier lines, the Pac-12 will be lucky to go 4-7 and seven in those games. What's your predictions on how many of those games the Pac-12 will win? So Colorado A&M, I think A&M wins. Uh, and Minnesota, I think, I think both those teams are going to beat Colorado. I think UCLA's got a shot against LSU for sure. That's going to be a big one. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to beat USC. Uh, I think I put um, Cal. I got Cal beating. Um, I'm sorry. They're the uh, Cal playing TCU. And who did I pick? I did pick TCU uh, in that game. Um, I do have Ohio State beating Oregon. Um, I think I have Purdue uh, beating Oregon State. No, I have Oregon State beating Purdue. So there's a, I got a win there. And, uh, yeah, I got Stanford losing to Kansas State. Um, as far as Vanderbilt goes, let me see what I picked there. Uh, no, I have Stanford beating Vanderbilt. I think they're going to be pretty terrible. Um, and then I lose. they lose to Notre Dame. And I have Washington beating Michigan. So I think I had that. I don't, didn't keep track there. But I have them better, you know, probably a little better than 500. Um, I think I picked them to go 6-5. and five. So I don't think 4-7 and seven would be lucky. Um, yeah, I think, I think I said six and five. So, um, yeah, or it's around there. I think it will be better than four and seven, but, uh, it's going to be tough. There's some of those games that are just going to be like, you know, I don't think Colorado's going to be that good. A&M is really good. You know, I think Minnesota is going to be a, a pretty darn good team. I think they're going to bounce back. Um, you know, Ohio state is really freaking good. Um, you know, Kansas state and playing Stanford. I don't think Stanford's going to be that good. I think Notre Dame is really good and they're going to beat you know, USC and Stanford. So there's some losses there. So maybe, uh, maybe I had them like five and six, whatever, but 
I think a little better than four and seven, but probably not much, Peter. But thank you for that. Uh, we got Eric. UCLA at Arizona. Why don't I play these uh, things? UCLA Bruins. Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, I should have played the sounds before I uh, did the predictions for each team. So my apologies for that. Doing the solo, not always easy. A lot of talking and a lot of like figuring out what's going on. Uh, so even if this has been mentioned before, it needs reiterating. The October 9th game between the Bruins and the Wildcats will be a matchup of fish and chip. <laughs> fish and chip. I love it. Arizona, UCLA at Arizona. Uh, long may the fish and chip series last and hopefully it becomes a salty rivalry. Oh, very good one, Eric. Uh, I, I should send you a, a gift card just for that, but good one. Good email. I like that. Fish and chip is a good one. Will fish will be around for a while. Will chip. Uh, and that's, you know, you got to have the chips with the fish and chips. So, um, all right. Good one, Eric. This is from Paul Webfoot. Uh, all-star staff take two. Uh, Devon and Raid. That's how he addressed us. As requested, I'm resending the email from last week. What's funny is specifically I told you all you didn't need to do a full 11 coaching staff, which was David's reason for not having time to answer my question. But now that I have a new joke with the same question, I must insist on the full 11. If you can't get to it this week, I might add strength and conditioning and recruiting quarter next week. Well, I went over this for you, Paul, and I came up with my, uh, you know, my list um, of coaches. And I want you guys to tell me where I'm wrong and how I left off this coach who's great and all that. I want to hear all of it. I want to hear all of why I'm an idiot. So before we get into the rules of the games, I must tell a new joke. An Oregon defensive back, a Kentucky defensive back, and a former Miami defensive back from 2006 are all in a car together. Who's driving the car? The police. Uh, he's making a joke because like, a couple of Oregon DBs got arrested. Uh, anyway, the rules, you can pick any coach from any conference from the conference who's currently coaching, but only for their current, current role. You can't have Justin Wilcox as the defensive coordinator or Mario Cristobal as your offensive line coach. For example, I'm willing to be flexible on DBs and linebackers, for, and you could take a safeties coach and just have him be your DB coach or assign a linebackers coach to only coach outside linebackers, Ed Rushers. Ed Rushers, would your team and your head coach's players be good enough to win the conference or even the playoffs, haha! The Pac-12 team winning the playoffs. I accidentally made two jokes in one email. Anyway, thanks for being a flourishing pea plant, giving me pods that are both nutritious and delicious. Thank you, Paul. Okay, try to do a little research uh, on assistant coaches in the Pac-12 and all the coaches. So here's the list I sort of came up with. I put a couple names some places where I wasn't really sure. Uh, I am not an expert in every assistant coach in the Pac-12. And I may have missed someone that was good. And again, just email me, packedwithpodcast at gmail.com and tell me I'm a moron because I left uh, this coach off the list. But I gave Kyle Whittingham the nod head coach. I took Joe Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator from Oregon. Uh, For defensive coordinator, I was torn because I think Morgan Scaly from Utah, really good. But I love me some Tim DeRuiter uh, at Oregon. Now, he just got there, but um, Oregon... DeRuiter might get the, the nod there, but I like both those guys. And then, um, so, Ikikika Malloy uh, as the defensive line coach from Washington. He seemed to be one of the more accomplished ones in the conference. Um, I took him as defensive line coach. And uh, for the defensive backs, kind of was torn. I had Brian Norwood from UCLA. Uh, he's also, you know, he does a good job there, but Marcel Yates from Oregon, 
He was defensive coordinator before too, so I kind of like that experience. For linebackers, I took Trent. Uh, a couple of guys I missed. Trent Bray uh, from Oregon State. He's put some some good linebackers out there for the Beavs. Conference, you know, all conference type players. And Peter Sermon from Cal, who's another you know defensive coordinator slash linebacker coach. So I like those guys. Um, I also thought about like Todd Orlando since he's the defensive coordinator at USC. Like if you're like the defensive coordinator, but you also coach linebackers, I think it gives you a little leg up. Kind of gives you like an extra defensive coordinator on your staff. Uh, there's a bunch, I think some options at offensive line, but I went with Justin Fry over at UCLA. Um, tell me I'm an idiot. That's fine. Uh, as far as running backs go, I had a little hard time with this. Jim Mastro from Oregon. He's, he's put some dudes out there and recruited well. Uh, but Keel McDonald from, from Utah. I think he's developed some, some great guys there. They've always had a, a good running game. So I think there's a, a couple options there you would like. And I, I should be better. The wide receiver spot, like, I get. I picked Jimmy Doherty from Arizona. Give the give the Wildcats a little love. You know, he did a good job over at UCLA. He's also, I think, the passing game coordinator. Um, I met him before. A really nice dude. And I wasn't sure, like, who has like great wide receivers. Like USC has great wide receivers, but I wouldn't put like Kerry Colbert as like the best wide receiver coach in the conference. Wasn't really sure where to go with there. So you know, send me some more suggestions if you have some. Uh, Got to give Stanford some love. I went with Morgan Turner, the t- Stanford tight end coach. Um, give him that one there. Uh, for strength and condition. Oh, I'm sorry, for special teams. I didn't do strength and conditioning, and I forgot about that. Uh, Sean Snyder from USC. Uh, he's only been there a year, but he turned them around from like one of the worst um, special teams efficiency teams in the country to number one. But Peter Pete Alomar from Stanford also uh does a great job i'm blanking um the oregon strength coach i think we're gonna go with him uh aaron feld yeah so they would just go with him as far as uh strength coach just because i don't know that many (laughs) and you know him with his like handlebar mustache and stuff he just signed a two-year contract extension uh, a couple months ago so we'll go with him and for I gave a recruiting coordinator too, and I, I was going to put Dante Williams on the staff as a DB coach because he's the best recruiter in the Pac-12, uh, you know, over at USC. And I end up putting him as the recruiting coordinator. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give myself a recruiting coordinator spot. So that's my list of the the top assistant coaches. Or if I was going to assemble a team, and that would be my coaches. And yeah, I think they could win the Pac-12 for sure. You give them a couple of years, there's a lot of good recruiters. I mean, part of the reason too, sometimes they were like, these are guys that are highly ranked in the recruiting uh, staff rankings too. So I think that helps. And uh, you would, you know, give me a few years with that staff and we're going to, we're going to bring in some talent. I can tell you for sure. Uh, all right. This one, Naystar, I guess it's from ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 Alliance. Uh, he says, ACC, Big Ten and Pac-12 do something like this. Go back to eight conference games and have an open scheduling date that is filled right after the previous season with a three-tier system based on last season's records. Tier one, the top 12 teams from the last season play each other. Top two from each conference in this tier. Tier two, then the next 12 teams. Tier three, everyone else. But each game has to be against a team from a different conference. Have some kinds of some kind of raffle drawing for each tier for the matchups like the NBA. Put the raffle on TV so fans can watch live. The highest rated team from the previous season gets the home game in the matchup or have neutral site games for the top tier teams only with two games played at three neutral sites 
one in each conference footprint, played the same day to pack the stadiums with four different groups of fans. Holy cow, dude. All right. Um, yeah, like you, you're giving away way too much uh, as far as just putting everyone. You just made it like a super conference. Um, I think you want to have flexibility scheduling, and it would be great to do, you know, you don't know who you're going to play from the other conference. Uh, at the end of the year. But the problem is you have different numbers of teams. There's some standing games like, you know, Stanford and USC each play Notre Dame. So you assume when the schedule thing comes around, that's going to be part of it. You want to take games like that away. Um, I do like the eight conference game thing. And then you, you have some more options for out of conference games, but they're going to have to get creative. I don't think you can be that structured because there are so many just other things you have to deal with. And they already said they're not going to break current contracts and you have contracted games out a decade. So, um, yeah, that's going to be, uh, tough. So let's see. Uh, we had a text message guys, seriously, pick pool 2021. We got to get on this ASAP. Ryan, can you work on it? Please? Dave, uh, you just keep being you big guy. Yeah. So the, the suicide pool that's, it's being worked on for sure. And, uh, we will have that for you next week. Our buddy Hithaday. Oh, there's no Latin in this one. Young in limbs and judgment old. So he said, last week, I thought you boys did an adequate job addressing your colleague Chris Cartman's Twitter thread about three-star recruits from the state of Arizona. But since then, he's published a column expanding on the point and seems to be making a pretty different argument than what was attributed to him earlier. So in the interest of fairness, here's what he's now, here's what he now appears to be stating. And he gives uh, some points. One, the only valuable recruits to a Power 5 team are blue chip and, quote, uh, crypto blue chips. That is, kids who are undervalued and mistakenly given three-star ratings but are secretly four stars in disguise. Properly evaluated, quote, true three-stars will virtually always wash out at this level. The issue with the state of Arizona is not that it's three-stars are overrated two-stars, as com- contemplated last week, but rather that they're hyper-accurately evaluated by Cracker Jack in-state scouts. Uh, every one of them is a true three-star, never crypto blue cur- blue chips, and are therefore not valuable to ASU or Arizona per above. Other states, however, are less accurately scouted and hold potential for having crypto blue chips among their pool of three-stars, so they should be recruited instead of in-state prospects, which explains ASU's recent recruiting strategy. What do you boys make of this theory? Last week, you stated that 24-7's Blair Angulo, Biggins, Huffman evaluate all the Western states. What do you suppose they would think of the suggestion that they're nailing it when it comes to Arizona but screwing it up everywhere else? Beyond the narrow Arizona concern, do you think the real development actually happens in college football? That is, do fairly evaluated true three stars regularly become power five starters in NFL prospects or is high school talent level density and, and colleges should be exclusively looking at uh, misevaluated prospects. All right, Day. Well, I didn't read that column, but I mean, I can give you one example of a crypto blue chip that came out of Arizona. It's USC starting quarterback, um, Keaton Slovis. He was a three-star guy and USC typically doesn't recruit. I mean, they get a five-star kid or maybe a four-star kid. And now they're starting quarterback the last couple of years. And this year will be a three-star, which I, I don't remember the last time that happened. Uh, I think the pool is smaller and they do have some, some really good people doing evaluations, but I think everyone can be developed. I think you can get, you know, there's three stars aren't the same too. I mean, if you're a three-star that's ranked 400th or you're a three-star that's ranked 2000, 
Um, I think there's a difference there, but there's also, you know, there's a development factor and there's just guys that, you know, especially with offensive linemen, there's tons of, you know, all conference offensive linemen that are three stars that were three stars in high school. Certainly there's guys that were highly ranked and there's the Penny Sewells of the world that you knew were going to be good. Um, but there's a lot of guys that, you know, were three stars that maybe you didn't know about and it, it develops differently. You know, you, you're an offensive lineman and sometimes you're, especially on the West coast, you might be 250 pounds when you're in high school and you're not going to be a five-star offensive tackle that way, but you come to school, you put on weight, you get in the weight room. And by the time you're a red shirt sophomore, you're 305 pounds and got long arms and quick feet. And now you're like an all conference lineman. I think that stuff happens a lot. Um, is it, you know, is it going to be a wide receiver that does that all that? Yeah, maybe not. But I think development is a big part of it. I don't think you can just give blanket statements about this state has these kind of recruits and that's it. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag and everyone, these are people like, you know, try to describe your friends as a, you know, who's the best, um, whatever. I mean, like give your friends star rankings and your, your group of people won't agree with you with, you know, when you're talking about that stuff, it's hard to agree on these things. And, you know, sometimes you have better days than others. And sometimes guys just wash out and they were, they were really good and they make the transition from high school to college and they just plateaued or they make the transition from high school to college and they flourish because they were being held back in high school. And then they have these opportunities in college and they've just become better. Like they're putting a, you know, a, they're putting a, a, a from a small pond to a, a bigger pond with sharks in it and they thrive. And sometimes you go from the small pond to the big pond with sharks in it and you hide behind a lily pad, you know, because like, Oh my God, I've never seen this before. It's everyone's different. And I feel like that's just recruiting, you know, and um, we've seen guys that look really good in college and then they just kind of fizzle out and maybe they don't make it to the NFL or they're okay in college and they're great in the NFL. You're just, you're growing, you're developing, you're getting better, you're studying. I mean, sometimes you just like something clicks, you know, maybe you were a, a, an athletic linebacker that was making some big plays, but making a lot of screw ups too. And it was hard for you to get on the field and something clicked in you know, one meeting you had with your position coach and you understood this call or you understood your assignment and things started to make sense and you weren't thinking and you just, now you were instinctually going where you needed to go. You're the same dude. You're like still lifting the same amount of weight. You're still that fast, but something clicked in the system and now you're out there making plays and you, you know, a guy that was like riding the bench to becoming like a potential all conference uh, player. And sometimes you know, you don't get along with your coaches or the situation's not right. You transfer schools or a new coach comes in and it's a whole new ball game for you. And maybe you were in the doghouse from one guy for one reason or another. And the new coach comes in or a new position coach comes in and now you're, you're a stud. So it's just, it's so complicated hit the day. I would, it's just hard for me to put like, this is what recruits are. Like, it's just, it's, it's not that simple to me. It's, there's so much gray area there and it just, everyone, I think every kid is different. All right, long answer, but hopefully you like that. Uh, Dan wrote in, UCLA, what if? I uh, love the what if segment. Here's my top three for UCLA. Okay, what if, three, UCLA scores on fourth and goal from six inches out versus Washington State in 1997? All right, I'd have to go back and look. Don't remember. Uh, number two, the Melsby fumble doesn't happen. Again, this is more David questions because I'm not remembering this stuff off the top of my head. And then number one, UCLA doesn't blow a 27 to six lead 
halftime lead, second half lead to Washington State in 1988. That would have had UCLA undefeated and ranked number one in the country going into the, quote, measles game against USC with the mythical national championship on the line. Does a different UCLA team show up and beat SC to go to the Rose Bowl and probably get Aikman the Heisman Trophy? I can't help but wonder if beating the Wolverines to, to win or split the number one ranking with Notre Dame might have altered the course of UCLA football over the last 30 years. Uh, it isn't hard to imagine Terry Donahue's, quote, long goodbye from 88 to 95 playing out differently if UCLA had won or split the 88 national championship. Hey, Dave. Yeah, um, that was a one year before I got to college, so I wasn't super familiar. But, yeah, definitely Aikman versus, uh, you know, Troy Aikman had, what, two chances? at um usc and wasn't able to uh to win there so yeah i think that's one of those things they win that game and aikman gets the win over rodney pete and gets a you know share of the national championship or something yeah i think i mean obviously that can change things just winning something like that does stuff and yeah when you look back you're like man aikman never beat usc in his career there um it's just hard to believe from now like how great he was but thank you for that one, Dan. Sorry, I don't remember those other two games, but I'm sure people will, you know, Dave can comment on that. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to Jonathan. We sent him the jockey gift card this week for his review last week. This is questions from Scott. He says, gentlemen, after hi- a hiatus from your podcast, I've been checking up. So I might be sort of informed about the conference and upcoming season. I'm glad to see the quality hasn't changed as Ryan continues to provide great content. And Dave still thinks most things are kind of stupid. That's that's fair. Uh, but thank you for that. Uh, questions. True or false? Rolovich is on a short leash and will be shit canned if Wazoo misses two or more games due to uh, coronavirus. Uh, yeah, I think true for the first part. Um, and I think true for the second part. Uh, I think it's tough to fire him right now, but I think he's, I don't think he's made any friends there. Um, He's just sort of like dug his heels in and that's where he is. So yeah, if there's some excuse, like if that, like if it was like, they're the only team in the conference that missed games for a coronavirus and you're the only head coach in the conference that isn't vaccinated. Yeah. I think there's grounds for firing there. And I, I think they're going to, he can give them, I think, any reason at this point, and they're going to, you know, if they can do it somehow, they can do it. I don't think he has a huge buyout. I think it's like four or five million or something from what I was told. That, uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I, I I think he's definitely on a short leash. He's not he's not made friends. Uh, since cash is king, how big would a one-time donation have to be to meaningfully change Wazoo's trajectory for the next decade? Uh this isn't a true or false one. Um, I mean, I don't think it's about and like money like that. Like, yeah, if you got some huge, you know, $50 million donation or something, but they've already upgraded a lot of facilities and stuff. Um, in that case, I think it would probably be something along the lines of, you know, could you hire a great staff and pay them a lot of money? Uh, but you got to get the right people there too. You can't just go and get someone that's like, oh, this guy was going to go to Georgia, be the defensive coordinator. Now he's going to go to Washington state because we're going to pay him 8 million a year. Like you got to find the right fit too. So I'm not sure there's just like you dump a truckload of money uh, up on the Palouse and that's going to make them great. You know, I think, I think that would help, but you got to do a lot of other good things as well. 
And if you both had to do the Oklahoma drill against each Pac-12 coach, who would you beat and who would beat you? Oh, that's interesting. Thanks for the, the beautifully mediocre work and go Cougs. Hey, Scott. Okay, so I guess it depends where we are in the Oklahoma drill. Um, are we talking, I'm the running back and the opposing coach is like the linebacker and there's like you know maybe equal linemen in front of us that are blocking for us and I got to try to get by them or Dave and I both have to try to get by them. Um, I, I mean, I think most of these guys have played football, right? Uh, outside of like Chip Kelly, I think everyone did. Like I would say, you know, I don't think I'd beat many people. Like I'm not going to beat Jimmy Lake. I'm not going to beat Crystal Ball. Probably not beat Carl Durrell. Uh, maybe beat Clay Helton. Um, I won't beat David Shaw. Definitely won't beat Kyle, uh, Kyle Whittingham. I don't think I'd beat Herm Edwards. Um, you know, probably Chip Kelly. I could probably beat him. Uh, depending on what we're doing. I, you know, Nick Rolovich, he'd be pretty feisty. I don't think I'd get him, but he'd have to wear a mask. So that might be more difficult. Jonathan Smith, even though he's a quarterback, I think he would, uh, he'd beat me. Definitely Justin Wilcox would beat me and definitely Jed Fish would beat me. So yeah, like maybe the LA schools, maybe Clay, but he played football too. So probably Clay would probably still beat me. So maybe Chip would be the only guy I would get. Um, and it depends what you're doing. If I had to tackle one of those guys instead of be like the running back, um, hmm, that's a good one too. It'd probably be about the same list. I don't know. I don't think I'd be really good at that. You know, I'm 50 years old. Uh, but thank you for that one, Scott. Let's see. Um, oh, crap. We have a voicemail. I did, You know what? I'm going to, while I'm answering the next question, I, see, this is what I got to do. I'm going to download this and I'll play the voicemail like, uh, as we go. So my apologies for, uh, the delay a little bit, but I will do that. So let me go to the next, uh, email and I'll come back to that voicemail. Um, okay. Alliance and ponderings. Uh, okay. So this is a, Hey guys, uh, two parts today. Part one with the news of the big 10 ACC and PAC 12 Alliance. I'm wondering why the big 12 was left out. Who knows what will happen when Oklahoma and Texas leave, but if the Big 12 adds some high-caliber group of five teams from good markets, I think the Big 12 could still be a Power 5-level conference. Wouldn't the others want them in on the alliance? Do you think that the Big 12 leftovers feel completely abandoned, or do you think there's already handshake agreements to add some or all the Big 12 leftovers to the three alliance conferences? Okay. Uh, Alfred, I think part of it is the Big 12 includes two SEC teams now, and this was sort of formed to go against the SEC. So I don't think they could have included the Big 12. I don't think the Big 12 can add much that's going to make it like a Power 5 conference. There's no Texas or Oklahoma's out there. That's the problem. Like, this shows that you have, um, I mean, the big brands are what matter. And they lost their big brands. And unless they could go out and get some from somewhere, but no one's going to be leaving. So, yes, I think they do feel left out or abandoned or both. Um, but because they still have Texas and Oklahoma, I don't think it was going to make sense for the Alliance to, you know, bring them in. Um, I think what would happen down the road, potentially, I do think they're going to add teams, but you know, and the power five thing isn't going to matter. Um, it's just like, that's just made up anyway. Uh, but are they going to get the respect? Like, is the big 12 champion going to get the respect of a PAC 12 or ACC champion? No. Um, because they're just not going to have the big brands to go along with it. Like you yeah, had Houston, BYU, whatever. Like you do something like that. I don't think they're going to have that sort of respect. It'll be kind of like the Big East. They sort of get kind of left behind. That's just my guess. 
But um, if that alliance ends up, you know, working out and then they talk with the SEC when, you know, sort of like the playoff comes and all that gets settled out, the teams move, the playoff is agreed on. Maybe they do come together and like, hey, we're going to get a college football czar. And then uh, that might be good for the Big 12. But right now it just seems like they're going to be on the outside looking in. And I don't think their teams are going to get pilfered by the Alliance. I think the Alliance is pretty good with the 41 programs that they have and sort of like uh, sticking with that. Okay, so I got the voicemail downloaded and uh, I'll play it for you. What's good, guys? This is Adam from Tempe. Uh, I'm trying to make this voicemail not as long, apparently really long last time, but basically I really hate all teams and all sports that cheat. And so now I'm hearing this ASU stuff, and honestly, it's low-key like making me lose my fandom a little bit in ASU because I'm high-key disappointed. I just want to know from you guys, you know, am I taking it too seriously or is this, you know, a really big deal, a really big cheating scandal? Because, like, I hate the Astros, Patriots, Red Sox, all these teams that got hit with cheating scandals. I hate all those teams, but now it's my team, and so I'm just trying to figure out, you know, is it right that I'm kind of losing fandom and, you know, not really enjoying ASU football, not really looking forward to ASU football as much? Or do you think I'm just kind of taking this a little bit too seriously and it's really not as big a deal as I'm kind of making it? So thank you guys. Hey, Evan. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I mean, it's a valid question to ask. Uh, I've definitely heard rumors, um, you know, people talk in practice, you know, USC and Arizona state had that first game and, um, you know, ASU missed their next three. Uh, I just have heard, and there's things that have been going around and I haven't really seen any like full on reports and people haven't, you know, probably weren't able to get the best sourcing or people on the record. But my guess would be that ASU sort of, um, I don't want to say ignored, but uh, maybe overlooked some of the COVID-19 protocols at some point, you know, uh, you know, obviously bringing in recruits, from around and am I looking at it as like cheating cheating it just seems like kind of dumb cheating like it just seems like something you didn't need to do um and it's tough because you you look at Herb Edwards and he seems like a very upstanding guy but are you letting is that CEO role letting other people sort of running the program underneath you if they're skirting the rules and they're like they don't feel like they need to be as responsible as the head coaches maybe that's part of the reason why the head coach needs to be like the dictator of what's going on. You know what Nick Saban came out and said, Alabama's not a democracy. And, um, you know, if Herm's letting guys make decisions under him and, you know, sort of trusting their judgment and maybe they're, they're not going to be held to the same stand, you know, a higher standard and they skirt some of the rules. Um, I, it, cheating just sounds kind of, I guess it's right. But, um, I think, I mean, it's going to be a good team. I think you still want to root for them. The problem is I just, there could be a shoe dropping at any point, you know, there's just, um, there's a lot of smoke there, you know, and we've heard other rumors and I don't know if everything's going to come out or if, you know, what the NCAA investigation is going to say or all that. Um, but I, you know, still root for him. Still, I, I think you still want to enjoy college football. I think it's harder at Washington state right now, probably for some of the kook fans. Um, Cause it's such a, an issue that, just divides people in this country and you know, with the a pandemic going on and, and you know, you being a leader of men and aren't willing to sort of like swallow your conspiracy brain and just say, Hey, this is what's best for my team. This is what's best for 
my state and the conference and the country for me to go out there and just say, Hey, I'm doing this, you know? And, um, so I, I probably have a little more issue there, but it just seems like there were some dumb things going. If everything that you know we've heard is true, there's just some dumb things that were going on, uh, at Arizona state. And, you know, it, the, the thought I got, the, the feeling I got from talking to people was like, people just really didn't take the pandemic seriously. And I, I wouldn't say Arizona state's alone in that as far as like just, general public, but man, you're, when you're putting, you're putting people at risk. And then if you're playing games, you're putting opponents at risk. Um, it seems like that's what a lot of the people have issues with. So we'll see. I mean, maybe nothing comes of it, um, this season, but I, I think there's going to be a lot more than just three, uh, junior assistant coaches that have been suspended. All right. Eric and Sun Devil country. Um, Eric, this is a Disney princess thing. And since I am definitely not an expert, he's talking about uh, Vanellope Von Schweetz from Wreck-It Ralph. Or no, she's on Sugar Rush. Um, so there's some... I, I Can you send this one back in? Because David is definitely the Disney princess expert. I know nothing about this stuff. He talks about her powers and abilities and everything. So um, yeah, Eric, if you don't mind sending that one in again, we can have David um, answer it. And we have one last question from Anthony. Hey, Ryan and Dave, which team will surpass their expectations entering the season and which team will disappoint? Is Oregon versus Ohio State the most important Pac-12 game this year? All right, let me do the second one first. I don't think Oregon-Ohio State's the most important game. Um, it could be if Oregon wins. If Oregon loses, it's not the most important game because there's – other games become more important. I mean, the Michigan game for Washington, I think that's more winnable. Even like the UCLA um, LSU game, because it's an SEC school, uh, that one you get at home. Uh, and LSU is a team that can beat like, you know, they might lose a couple games, but they'll beat like Florida and like Georgia or something. You're like, wow, uh, why did they lose to Mississippi State? Uh, so, yeah, I think <sighs> – it's just so expected that Ohio State's going to win that game and they're just they're at a different level than, you know, it's like playing Clemson or Alabama right now. Like they're just on another plane uh, that I don't think you can make it the most important game because it's just very likely that Oregon loses that game. But if Oregon somehow wins that game, it instantly becomes the most important game in the Pac-12, if that makes sense. That's just my opinion. And then which teams will surpass the expectations? I guess it depends on what your expectations are. Um, I mean... I don't like as as far as like who's expected to do well. Like, I mean, I think a team like Stanford, you might expect to be pretty good. I think they're going to be bad. So I think they're going to uh, disappoint. I mean, a, a team like Oregon state, I think, you know, if I, I got them going to a bowl game, if you don't, you know, where's your expectations there? I think they can exceed it. Um, I mean, I got Utah, Going eleven and one. I mean, I think that would probably exceed expectations, but you know, there's there's some high expectations for Utah. Uh, I mean, maybe okay, maybe like a Colorado. Their expectations are higher because they had a winning record last year, um, had a real chance to win the division, but couldn't play USC because of the COVID stuff. So maybe if you look at just their what they accomplished last year, you're like, oh, we, I expect big things for Colorado. I think they're going to disappoint. Um, I think they're going to come kind of back down to earth. And I guess you could make the same argument for Stanford who had a you know winning record and stuff last year too. Um, I mean, the teams like Oregon and Washington or USC, Utah, maybe Arizona state a little bit cause they're at high expectations. And I think, 
you know, like I said, with the distractions, there might be some issues uh, with that one. But um, yeah, I think that's probably overall sort of where we are. Uh, I was going to pick Washington State to do better, but there's just too many distractions and stuff there too. And I think a lot of teams are probably going to fall like where we think they're going to fall. But the good, you know, the, the interesting thing is, you know, seeing a season last year where some teams played four games or five games. What did you really, you know, what did we know from that? And, you know, you play a game and like, oh, but the whole offensive line was in quarantine until like kickoff. Um, a lot of weird stuff happened last year. So it's it's tough. I think people put too much emphasis on what happened last year normally. And a, a year like 2020, I don't think you can put as much. You can see some things for sure, but uh, don't put too much stock in all that. So maybe the, the hard part is I don't know what the expectations are because there's just so much weird stuff that's been going on. All right. Well, holy cow. A little over an hour of just me talking. That's what you guys all needed, right? That's what you needed. Um, but David will be back from protocol next week, we hope. I'll talk to his publicist and see what um, she is saying. And uh, But, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, got all the newsy stuff in, so David hates that anyway. Got our picks in. We got our first game pick in for UCLA and, and uh, Hawaii. Hope you're going to watch that one. The uh, Nebraska-Illinois game should be pretty good, too. Brett Bielema starting back up at Illinois. And uh, Scott Frost, like, kind of hot-seating it at Nebraska. That should be a pretty good one as well. And uh, USC's first-round uh, opponent, uh, San Jose State, they got a game. They got a home game, too. So that's on the West Coast footprint. It might You guys might be interested in that. I think there's Southern Utah or something. I forget who they're playing. But um, we got football, though. It'll be good. So we're going to do our picks. We'll keep track of them always. And we're going to put the suicide pool up. So make sure you check that out. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. You can win a $100 gift card from Jockey. I'm wearing their underwear now. It's great stuff. Um, I, I I love this sponsorship. They've been they've been so cool to us. And uh, it just all started with us, like, making fun of them. So uh, that's great. Just like, you know, first time I meet George Klyovkov, the first thing he says to me is, oh, you're the podcast that – makes fun of my distributions. Like, hey, sometimes you make fun of people, you get their attention, and good things come of it. So um, it reminded me, we got to get um, George on, too. He's been a little busy. Uh, and there he is continuing that listening tour. I think he was at Colorado. He was at Washington State. Uh, that should be an interesting conversation when he's up there on the Palouse talking, <laughs> talking to uh, Pat Chung, at the at, you know, athletic director at Washington State, about, so what's going on with your coach here? It's not uh, making me look good. Um, but yeah, he's continuing his listening tour and, uh, you know, I, I, like, I like what he's doing and we'll definitely try to get him on at some point. I know it's going to be real busy with the season. Maybe it's after the season, but we'll get him on at some point and, uh, get his thoughts on what's going on with the conference and probably have him tell him we'll change the intro to the podcast. But anyway, uh, for David Woods, who's not here in protocol, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.